Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. Today's episode was so much fun to record. Elise is hilarious and I'm so happy to whoever it was that brought her to my attention. I think it was one of you actually. So thank you if you're out there listening. But before we get into my back and forth with Elise, which I think you'll find very entertaining, I wanted to answer your questions about college dating. Um, and give you some like advice tidbits on the way from my experience. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and read your questions and answer them to the best of my ability. One of you said, is it foolish to hope for a future with your college significant other? I wouldn't say it's foolish, but I would say like if I could give myself one piece of advice looking back in college, I would say don't take any of it seriously. And that doesn't mean that something can't turn into something great, but it just means that you shouldn't have expectations for it to do so because then you're more likely to get hurt. I know for a fact that the people that I'm friends with today who are still with their college sweethearts, they never went into it thinking like, oh, this is my husband or it was more just like, this is fun or this guy's cute or this girl seems great and taking it from there. And I think like, College is the only time that you can truly be friends first with all these people. So I think just like make sure you're focusing on friendships more so than relationships, like even with people that you'd potentially be interested in for a relationship, because that's the most important part. And then on the subject of friendships, you know, when you graduate, a lot of these relationships won't exist and won't matter. And I mean like relationships, not friendships, but your friendships will and your friendships in college will likely last forever. So I wouldn't do anything to jeopardize those friendships over people in college. Like for example, you know, hooking up with the girl that your friend likes and not being friends anymore over that. Because realistically it's like, I don't know the statistics, but let's say one in every 10 relationships that in from college that actually end up working out. So I would really focus again on like your friendships and not putting them in jeopardy for relationships that will probably not matter to you in the future. Is it worth it? I think what this person is asking is, is dating in college worth it? And for sure, dating in college is always worth it. I actually remember someone once told me when I was going into college, they were like, college is the time where you can date, you can get away with dating people that you would never be allowed to marry. 
And I never really understood what that meant. I didn't know if it meant like for religious reasons or people that you, you know, would meet that you would never meet, maybe people from the army, like whatever it is. And I think that that is so true. Like the people that you hook up with in college, you're not really ever going to take them seriously again out of college, you know? Um, So again, goes back to like, don't take anything seriously and have fun and really enjoy the process. Someone asked how to make your college relationship work after graduation. Another, you know, like any relationship, if if that's something that you're forcing, then it's probably not worth making work. I think that if you naturally still want to be together, great. Um, but if you are holding on to that person, like for dear life to kind of cling to those college memories, then that's not going to work out in your favor. Um, since it's a hookup culture in college, how do you know when someone is actually interested versus wants a hookup. In college, more than anything, everything starts as a hookup. I never, you know, was dating someone in college and like, you know, waiting and holding off the kind of the way that I would as an adult. Like in college, it's like pretty much you hook up first and then you figure out if you like the person. And, you know, that's okay as long as you're safe about all of it. And that's just kind of the way it goes. Like no one's really going to ask you out on a date in college. I remember a hockey player at BU like asked me out on a date and I thought it was the weirdest thing. And I I just, I also wasn't really interested in this person. I remember on the way home from the date, like I called like a hookup buddy because like it was just so weird to me. I was like, I don't want to go on like a fancy date. It was just weird. And, you know, for, for the people that have already formed like legitimate relationships, like dating is probably great. but I think you just have to accept like the idea of a hookup culture and to be able to tell if they're interested in you, like you're basically living together. It's college. So like you end up having sleepovers every night and like, you know, they tell you they miss you and they tell you they like you. And like, you can always tell when someone's interested in you. It's this, it's the same thing. But it, what was interesting was I was never... I was never looking for a relationship in college. And and I remember whenever someone asked me to like define things or to be their girlfriend, I was not interested. Like I just stopped being into them, which is a really funny thing because like today it's the opposite as like a legit adult. But I think in college, you just have to enjoy it. And like nobody really wants to be tied down. And even if you're someone who's like, oh, I just want to be in a relationship, like you really have to not have that mentality because that's actually going to like repel people from you in so many ways. Um, Someone asked, and this is like along the same lines, why do you think it is that some guys want a long-term girlfriend in college, whereas some don't? I actually don't think any guy wants a long-term girlfriend in college. Like they just might be hooking up with you and then fall for you. And then they're like, shit, now I have to have a girlfriend because they like you too much to not. I really don't think anyone goes into it being like, I want to have a girlfriend all of college or, you know, I want to have a boyfriend all of college. Like everyone's main goal is to have a good time. And if feelings get involved, then things get reevaluated, but it's not usually a goal. And also another thing to realize is that 
guys are so immature in college. And yes, girls probably are too, but guys even more so because you have to like minus three years, which means they're like pretty much still teenagers. And you can't expect them to do anything mature, almost to the point where like you should have no no expectations of them. And just like use this time to cultivate friendships, as as I said, with the, you know, with your desired gender and like get to know them as friends. At least for me, I went to an all girls school growing up. The college was the first time that other than camp that I was really exposed to guys in terms of a friendship. And there are so many guys from college that I'm still friends with today. And I'm so grateful for those friendships. And like the people that I hooked up with in college, they're not my friends today. It's it's like the real friendships. I have been so annoyed ever since being back in the city. Like I love it and I'm so happy, but I'm wearing my mask so much more than I was before because I was really just at my house with my family. And now I'm walking around and I want to make sure I'm wearing a mask all the time. But I've been getting like mask knee and these like pimples that I never got before. And it's just not cute. And it's so important to like have a good skincare routine. And I kind of forgot that because I got, you know, lazy and I thought that my skin was in the sun all the time. So it was fine. Like I didn't have to do much, but now I really do. And I'm so grateful for Rory. If you don't know what Rory is, it's a digital health clinic just for women and it can help treat all your skincare concerns. So breakouts, redness, maskne, all of that good stuff. Um, you can get a free consultation if you go to hellorory.com slash acme. And then you just hear back from a U.S. licensed healthcare professional within 24 hours and they prescribe you a personalized skincare treatment plan. So you don't have to be nervous like, oh, is this going to be good for my skin? Because after your consultation, the healthcare professional knows what to create for you, which is really great. And you can also get in touch with that healthcare professional for any questions or to make changes to your treatment. You can also cancel anytime if you're afraid of commitments, which a lot of us millennials are. So you just have to go to hellorory.com slash Acme to try out your personalized treatment for just $5. So it's hellorory.com slash Acme. You'll get a free consultation and then only $5 for your first order. hellorory.com slash Acme check it out. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Potts. And I'm Stephanie Sambari. And we are the hosts of That's So Retrograde. Heard of us? For the past 200 and some episodes, we've been trying to figure out what the hell wellness is. We have inspiring and fun conversations with all types of amazing people, from healers to comedians to whatever's in between. We're five years in, but we're just getting started. So hop on board every Thursday to join the party and route to living your best life. And don't forget your cannabis. Or to check us out on Instagram at So Retrograde. That's right. Bye. See you there. Someone said, there's so many, how do you go about wanting more and not just hooking up? But again, like you can't think like that. Everyone's asking about the success rate for college relationships. So I'm Googling it. Oh, 28%. That's like kind of high. I'm shocked. Well, I don't know. What's That's very shocking. I'm, I'm pretty shocked. But Maybe it's 28% of people who didn't have those expectations and then got happily surprised. Dating within friend groups at college. That can also be difficult, but 
it's also really fun. I feel like when you date someone in college, you do end up being in a friend group with whoever that is. Like I remember my senior year, I was dating someone younger and one of my best friends was dating one of his friends. So then we formed a group of like sophomores and seniors and the groups change all the time. And then it becomes a friend group in a way. And it's fun. It's like this fun time where post-college, like you're probably not going to date in your friend group and be able to get away with it. So enjoy that time. How to be okay with constantly seeing people you've hooked up with in the past at your small school. Yeah. I mean, that's going to happen all throughout your life. Like in New York, it can get small too. Um, I think you just have to realize that's part of college and be very like nice and cordial when you see them. Don't be immature about it and like kill them with kindness. How has your perspective on relationships changed since college? Well, I guess again, like in college, I, and I talked about this two episodes ago, like I was, I was still very naive when I came to dating in college and I dated people that I would never have dated now. Like in college, you, or at least I was dating people who were like swaggy. Like that was like something that actually mattered to me. Like, can you like get into the club? Like, can you, you know, can you hang? Can you smoke weed? Like, are you cool? And like things that would never would matter to me today. Like today you think about like, would you be a good father? And like, are you ambitious? And like, are you going to be kind to me and like loyal? And like, am I going to want to wake up next to you in 10 years? Like in college, you're just like, are you fun? Like, do you party? Like, it's just a totally different mindset. And so I would say, I think about like, I care about more things now than like and more important things now than I did back then. Hooking up, this is the last one, hooking up where everyone knows everyone's business. It's a big school, but everyone finds out. Well, that's just like college. And that's kind of going to continue after college too. Like people don't have that much to talk about, especially when they're married and bored. I remember I had hooked up with someone at college and it was like someone's ex and the girl was in our sorority and it became like immediate news. Like everyone knew I walked into an apartment because we were all in a big apartment complex in Boston. And I walked into a friend's apartment because that's what we would do. Just like casually walk into, into each other's apartments. And the girl's friend was there, like who had dated the guy. And she turned to me and she's like, I can't believe you hooked up with blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what? This is ridiculous. Um, People are always going to want to talk. And like you do the same thing probably. So just like don't take that to heart too much. And I think that's all we're going to talk about when it comes to dating in college. And also like I hate the whole Snapchat communication in college. Like if someone wants to talk to you and actually cares, they'll text you. Um, I'm not going to say they'll call you because that's not what college kids do, but they'll text you. So keep that in mind too and hope you enjoy the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with Elise Slane from Real Housewives of New York. Hey, Elise. Hi, Lindsay. How's it going? Thank you so much for coming on. 
Oh, well, you're a star in my household because <laughs> my daughter is always quoting your rules to contradict mine. <laughs> well, I really want to get into that. Before we do, though, um, I want to hear a little bit of background info on you. Where are you from? And I know I'm not supposed to ask a woman, but how old are you? Okay. Well, um, I'm from New York, uh, born and raised, and I am 57. Okay, great. And how did you get like intertwined with the whole Real Housewives of New York women? I've known these ladies for many years, um, going all the way back to the original cast. And I've been at a lot of the parties and it literally was by accident. I was meeting Ramona for a drink after she was done filming the first episode of this season. Um, but they ran overtime. And so I ended up hopping into the conversation and then it just sort of had its own inertia from there. Love it. Awesome. And what is your current relationship status? With Ramona or with, or in oh, my life? No, in your life, but also with Ramona. Why not? <laughs> I'm married for the second time. I was married two years ago. And it's a really cute story. If you want to get into that later. I, would, how I, I want to hear it right now. Okay. So my daughter, who was a freshman in college at the time, did not love the men in my pipeline and decided to take it upon herself to find someone for me. So unbeknownst to me, she assumed my identity and using my pictures, put up a profile on Match.com. That's so cute. She started communicating with people and she narrowed it down to Reinhold, who is my husband's name. And she made a date with him. And now she had to come home and break it to me that she basically, you know, committed a felony with identity fraud, pretending Mm -hmm. to be me (laughs) and that she had set up this date. And I, my head spun around a few times. I lost it on her and I told her to cancel it. And she said, I, I don't have his number to cancel it. He's sitting there waiting for you. She said, I'm not stupid enough to try to be you over the phone. Go tell him, you know, that you're sorry, your daughter's a jerk, but don't leave him sitting there. Right. So I did. And I met him at the juice bar next to Serafina on 79th and Madison. And this adorable guy walks over to me. The polar opposite of any type of guy I've ever dated in that Reinhold is very cerebral and an introvert. And I was always drawn to the extroverts and sort of the guys that command a room. And we ended up getting married and my daughter officiated the wedding. That's so beautiful. Oh my God, I got the chills. (laughs) So I have to ask, when is your birthday? And I guess when is your husband's birthday? And now I also kind of want to know when your daughter's birthday is. So my birthday is June 29th and my husband is December 12th and Nicole is June 5th. Okay. So she's a Gemini, you're a Cancer and your husband's a Sagittarius or? I think so. Wait, you said December 29th? No, he's December 12th. December 12th. Yeah. He's a Sagittarius. I love it. That's so cute. And so I have to ask just because I always find it really fascinating, you know, um, when you find love again, it's an amazing thing. But I wonder what, you know, happened in your in your first marriage that uh, wasn't working for you. So 
he and I, we um, started out life together in a studio apartment with a mattress on the floor. And it was probably the happiest we ever were. And the more we grew in our careers and the more materialistic we got, I think um, the less we were communicating in the marriage. And neither one of us would take responsibility for fights. We both blamed the other. And that was a life lesson to me because we would break up, we would get back together. It really was a revolving door for many years. And of course, we were never going to be able to fix our problems because neither one of us were willing to change. Right. So I think that was, that was the big thing. If we had met now that we are both more mature, Mm -hmm. would we still be married? Maybe we're pretty good friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so interesting. Do you watch Selling Sunset by any chance? I don't. Okay. So I just, I just watched this episode of this show and basically it's this woman is married to this guy who's like a pretty big actor from the show. This is us. And he kind of like blindsides her with a divorce. And I'm always so curious, like how someone could be totally blindsided by a divorce, because it feels like to me, it's like, it's one thing to be blindsided by a breakup almost, but like, like with a boyfriend, girlfriend, but a divorce is like, how could you not know? I don't know. I've never been married, so I don't really have experience on it. Well, if someone is the type of person where they do not communicate and they basically have both sides of the conversation in their own head Mm -hmm. without ever really talking to their partner about what's bothering them. So they become judge, jury, and executioner. Right. So if her husband was having this own conversation and playing out her part because maybe he was afraid to have a conflict or a fight with her. And therefore, he wasn't really hearing back from her what she's willing to change, what she's willing to accept, what he needs to change. And instead, he became very manichaean about it, right? If you're going to be that black and white about why a relationship is falling apart, I could see how someone could be blindsided by it. But it's not... It's not the norm. Mm-hmm. So but what is? I don't yeah. think. Um, I don't even think cheating is what breaks up a relationship. I think that a relationship is in trouble. Therefore, somebody cheats. Mm-hmm. Again, not a hundred percent of the time. Sometimes someone could just be a cheater, and that's just the way it is. But often, when there's years of marriage and then cheating occurs that's a symptom of a bad marriage. It's not the cause of the bad marriage. Right. Meaning like there's something that, you know, was missing perhaps. You know, I've heard, I think it's Esther Perel talk about cheating and and how like, it's not so black and white that like if someone cheats, that's it. It's over when you're married and have kids. Like it's, it just means there's like, it can mean that there's more work to be done, you know, or, um, there were miscommunications that need to be addressed. Not again, not making any excuses for anyone who cheats. I I think that's never the answer, but um, I have heard different perspectives on like how it shouldn't be just like, okay, they cheated like goodbye. But it is hard to heal from, from cheating. Yeah. Very hard. You know, you never really feel good in that person's arms or you don't trust them again. And so it takes a lot of work for a marriage to survive cheating, 
but sometimes marriages and families are worth doing the work. Yeah. Like I've asked my parents, I'm so curious about, you know, cheating and like healing from cheating. And I, I remember I asked my parents if like they have any friends that have cheated and like stayed together and they said they have. And obviously, you know, they would never tell me who it was because I know all their friends, but I was surprised because all their friends have such great marriages. Like I would never have thought that that had been part of their story, which is really interesting. So I, I wonder at least like, what is your background in terms of, you know, you offer dating advice and dating rules um, on your Instagram. I don't know if there's another place that you talk about it, but what makes you feel like qualified to give dating advice? Is it just your own experience? Have you been like a dating coach in the past? I have always coached young women and women my own age on dating. Recently, a girl who is now, or a woman who is now 40, remarked on, made a comment on my Instagram how I completely changed her life when she was a teenager because I used to take her step by step through what to do and what not to do in dating. Mm -hmm. I was a very young woman on Wall Street, um, and it was before there were any guidelines for what you can and cannot say to a woman. So I really was privy to how a man's mind works. And being a young woman on Wall Street, when there was really, I think, just two females on the trading floor, Mm -hmm. you either become a pawn or you become a player. And although this is not politically correct to say in the era of Me Too, you do learn how to use your sexuality in addition to your mind and your talent to be able to navigate a man's world. Yeah. And so the way that I found you, um, I know you found me through your daughter. The way that I found you was someone sent me a video you had made and they were like, this, it seems like she's talking about your rules, but I'm not sure. And I was like, I don't know. And so I watched the video and I was like, oh, she's for sure talking about my rules. And I wanted to go over the rules from that specific video that you agreed with and disagreed with. So I'm going to pull it up. And I'll tell you how I ended up. That was the first time I actually saw your Instagram because this was the result of a conversation I had with my daughter Mm -hmm. about texting someone to say thank you. And she said, Lindsay said, you never sent a thank you text. And I said, who is this woman that you were always quoting? (laughs) And then she um, pulled you up on uh, Instagram for me. And I said, oh, okay. Okay, so let's go over that one. So I say my rule is don't send a thank you text after having already thanked them on the date. And the reasoning behind my thoughts is just that, you know, you want to... uh, Oftentimes when a woman sends a thank you note in a heterosexual situation. And by the way, this isn't every woman. Every person is different. But most times when a woman sends a thank you, they're doing it because they want to like kind of ping the guy to see like, okay, like here I am trying to get a feel for how you felt about the date, trying to get asked on a second date. So like I'm basically handing you the keys to start the car for the second date. And, um, you know, and I think if that's the reason that you're sending the thank you the next day, because you're, you don't, you don't have the confidence to wait around to see if they will text, then that's dangerous. However, 
if you are sending the thank you text because you are genuinely, truly grateful, you were shocked that they were able to, you know, spend $20 on your drink, sure, fine, then then thank them again. But I think the bottom line for me is like, when I was dating, and I have a boyfriend now, but when I was single, and I would be dating, I wouldn't send the thank you text because I felt like I was kind of like interrupting the thought process that the guy was having on like, I think guys are pretty simple. And I was, I would think to myself like, okay, if this guy had a good time, like he's going to want to see me again, he's going to text me and he's not going to say, oh, she didn't thank me again the next day. So I'm done with her. So that's kind of like my whole thought process on it. Like, I don't want to interrupt their train of thought. And I genuinely want to be able to tell if they're actually interested in me. So I want to hear your take on why to send the thank you text. Okay. I think that a lot of women make it way too complicated that they're worried about the guy's thought process. I would never suggest sending a thank you text to sort of ping him and let him know that you were there. It is strictly because it's just a nice thing to do. And if a guy is interested in you, he's not going to get a simple, hey, thanks again for last night. It was fabulous. Have a great day. He's not going to be like, whoa, I'm not interested in her anymore. Look how needy she is. I think he'll just say, wow, that was really elegant. Even if you're not interested in a guy, and this is what I've said to my daughter, if you go out with a guy and he you know, bought you a nice dinner, even if you were not interested, it's always elegant the next day to say, hey, thanks for dinner. Um, have a great day. You don't have to go out with him again, but what's the worst thing he's going to say about you afterwards? She was so really I, elegant. Yeah, I hear you. So what if it's a coffee? What if you go out for coffee with this person and they've spent you know, $4 on your coffee? Do you still agree with the next day thanking them again for the for the coffee? No, you the, after a coffee, you just thank them right then and there and mm-hmm. you could wait for him to text you. But if the guy takes you out for a nice dinner, I would definitely send a thank you text. So dinner, you say thank you text. What about drinks only? Like just, you know, a drink or two, no dinner. You know, I mean, if you go to the Regency for a drink and you're spending $30, or one drink and you have two drinks. Right. Yeah. I mean, I just don't give it as much thought because mm-hmm. I've never, I've never in all my years of dating, I never waited around, you know, in anticipation, is the guy going to text me or not? I knew the way the date went, whether or not I was going to hear from him. Right. And I would say 95% of the time, the guy tried to secure a date before letting me walk out the door. Right. And I agree. For a second date. Yeah, I agree with you. I think oftentimes it can get confusing when you send a thank you text the next day. The guy is obligated to have a conversation with you that follows up that thank you. And I think if they're not like, let's play under the under the guys that they're not interested Right. But but you send a thank you text, then there is a back and forth exchange because of course they're going to say um of course like, you know, what are you up to or something like, right? They're not going to just be like, "Oh yeah, my pleasure." 
have a great, like have a good Why one. Not? Why not? I, if he's not interested, I don't think he says, what are you up to? I think if he's not interested, he just says it was my pleasure. You know, hope you have a great week. Yeah, I guess. I, I think with millennials, like we're a little more afraid of confrontation. So I just can imagine if like I were the guy and I were in that situation, I got a thank you text. I would feel like I had to be like, of course, like, oh, what are you up to? You know, just like, just because that's a natural response. Like maybe it's like the Libra in me, but I feel like I would do that. And then unintentionally, I would be leading them on you know, as opposed to not getting the text. And so I reach out to them because I'm like, not only am I interested, but now I'm like intrigued because I haven't heard from them. So I don't know where they stand. Whereas if I get the text and I'm a guy in this situation, I'm like, okay, they were into it. You know, like sometimes I like that like mystery about it. Right. I I think millennials make it too complicated. But a lot of women my age who are who are single, I I watch my friends and they also make it too complicated. I never would overthink things. I didn't try to psychoanalyze the date. I didn't hang on every word he said. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe I think more like a man. And therefore it was always easy for me to lure a guy in because I knew what brought them in. I knew what turned them off. Right. You know, yeah. Guys don't overthink it as much as women do. Yeah, that's true. I, I will say guys are way simpler um, than women. So I want to go over other rules that we might have differentiating opinions on. Um, I think the other one that you disagreed with, but jump in if I'm wrong and correct me, um, was always offer to pay. I disagree. I, I agreed with you on that. Okay, I, you agreed with me on that. Guy is taking you to a very expensive restaurant that is way out of your budget. Right. Um, but if you're on a first date, I assume that he's not going to take you to a restaurant like that. Yeah. Um, and if he does, he's not expecting the woman to split the bill. But at your age, where both men and women are now earning the same amounts of money, mm-hmm. um, absolutely always offer. Don't. You know, my husband uh, being German, their custom is to insist three times. In America, you know, if you insist three times, the person's going to think they're going to offend you if they don't accept it. Right, so right. Accept it. And the girl's like, what the F? He actually split the bill with me? Yeah. You know? So you can offer, offer once, you know, to say, oh, you know, may I split it with you? That's the way you say it. Um, right. And most of the time, I would assume the guy would say, no, 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 I have this. It's my pleasure. If the guy mm-hmm. takes it, well, that's a lot of information for you. If that is right. putting to you, good, you found out on the first date. Yeah, agreed. So another one is, um, I say, don't ask, what are we? Where are your thoughts on that one? Completely agree. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. But there was another one that you disagreed with. Was it don't text to say hi? No, uh, I said... Don't always respond to a text with a question. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So how come you don't think that you should respond to a text with a question? And do you want me to explain more of why I think that you should do that? Um, you can explain why. I, have, I okay. can explain why. Okay. But, okay. So essentially, the reason I say to... Um, basically, the rule is always ask a question back in a texting um, situation. And the reason I think that is because... 
it shows, you know, you're interested. Like, for example, if they're like, how was your day? And you're like, it was good. That's like selfish to me. I'm like, why don't you want to ask their how their day is? Like, this isn't a one-sided relationship. And then I guess the second reason is like, you don't want to be the last person to have said something and wondering why the conversation died. It died because you didn't ask a question back to them. And like, it, it wasn't a conversation. It was like an interview. And I don't know, I guess just like as an interviewer, I feel like it's so important when you go back and forth and have a real conversation as opposed to it, it just being one-sided. But I wonder what your take on this is. So if during the course of the date, let's say the guy tells you that he has a really important client meeting that he was getting ready for, you know, that was coming up the next day. And then he texts you and asks, how was your day? You could say, you know, my day is great. Um, How did your client meeting go? That's fine. If you're referring to something you had in a conversation already following up to show interest, but just a blanket you know, there's really not not a whole lot that you need to ask. And he says, how was your day? I think it's fine to say, oh, you know, my day is great. I hope you're having a great day as well. If he wants to text you back, he will. But that throws him a little off balance, right? This puts him in the um, female position, actually. Instead of him, he'll start to say, oh, she didn't ask me a question. Does she want to hear from me? Why didn't she ask? Uh, let me text her something else, right? So I'm not saying never ask a question back, but don't always ask a question back. It just shows a little independence and let him guess whether or not you are interested. You're always warm. You always respond, right? You don't ignore him. You always respond. But there's, there's you know, as opposed to how was your day? I hope you're having a great day. Absolutely can still warrant a text back from him. Yeah, I guess part of my my rule is a little bit protective of yourself because what you're saying is it is confident, right? To say, I hope you're having a good day instead of ask, um, how's your day? But for me, when dating, and maybe this is just, you know, I don't know how into astrology you are, but my Capricorn moon, I just don't want to be like left out to dry to, you know, to know that I could have just gotten a response if I asked a question back, as opposed to saying, hope you're having a good day and not hearing from them for another day. And I think, you know, again, like going to the millennial thing, like we want to text like as often as we can, right? We have our phone in our hands. Have you ever asked a question back and still been left hanging? Never, never. And that's why I like it because I know, and like there's this thing, right? When you're texting, it's called like slow playing. So what that is, is like not answering right away. But when you do answer, you ask a question back. So the conversation essentially never ends, right? Like, let's say you both take three hours to answer. Every time one of you does answer, there's something to say back because there's a question that's been asked. And it doesn't mean like you're going to talk about everything before you go on dates again. It's more just like, how is your day? Or like, how you know how the meeting go or um like did you have shake shack for lunch again like just something light and funny and i think this is more for like post second post third date i don't think like when you're in the first date stage or before first date you need to go back and forth with the questions that i agree with you on right. i think this is more like when you have established inside jokes and like 
things to actually talk about and ask each other about, then it's fine. And so I think, yeah. Right. I mean, if you are now basically you've gone on three dates, now there is a, there's some type of a relationship. So that's fine because now you do have things to follow up on. But Mm -hmm. as far as the waiting three hours and then he waits, waits three hours and the slow texting to drag the conversation on, it's all too contrived. You guys make it too complicated. No. So I agree. But, but my point is there's the slow texting happens because we're both busy and we're both working. It's not both contrived pretending to be busy, right? No, it's- no, no. Genuinely, genuinely like pre pandemic, when I was texting with my now boyfriend, I would be in a meeting that went into a meeting and these are all physical in person. These aren't right. zoom things. So you can't just be like, Oh, sorry, I'm going to respond to this guy. I'm dating. No, like you're genuinely too busy to respond right away. So our conversation would last throughout the day in increments because both of us would be genuinely busy. I don't think that you should fake busy. And I think that you could see through someone faking busy. Right. If you were genuinely busy, and he's genuinely busy. That's another reason not to ask a question of him. So I'm a trader. And even friends of mine um, with whom I'm texting, if they ask me questions, I feel annoyed because I'm like, I've got to watch the screen and trade. I, I don't really have time to now focus on answering this question. So a lot of times, um, and even when I was dating, I would shut it down. I would just say, Hey, super busy trading now. I'm looking forward to talking to you later. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. I think I think there's a lot of factors that go into it, like their job and, you know, how often they want to be texting. And I think it's hard to know that when you're in the beginning stages of dating with someone. Um, Elise, I wanted to ask you, do you have any more rules that you want to share with our listeners before we get into like a rapid fire um yes or no question thing that we like to do at the end? (laughs) Yes. So a lot of women your age have asked me or shared with me that now, you know, they say, you know, the times have changed. And now sometimes, you know, you sleep with a guy before you you decide if you guys are going to go on a date. And I'm like, what? Like maybe times have changed, but nature has not. And There's something about the chase that guys are intrigued by. If you sleep with someone before he's even decided to take you on a date, you basically put the nail in the coffin and having a relationship. There's always that outlier where you you hear that the couple got married, but that is not the norm. So I'm, and I'm not a prude. If you're horny, I'd rather you have a friend with benefits and sleep with a guy that you're hoping is then going to take you out. That's a rule of mine too. So I'm glad that we ended on a note that we completely agree on. Um, If, yeah, if you need to have sex, have sex with a friend, don't have sex with a person that you want to take you, you know, seriously and to, to start something with. And it, it really doesn't even have to do with like slut shaming by any means. It's more like because you want to build something with this person and sex can get in the way of it. And also the buildup to have sex is more fun than right. if you've already done it. 
Um, So I I completely agree with you. So I'm going to ask you a few questions that we have on our story. And they're pretty much yes or no questions or like red flag or deal breaker. So it'll be like rapid fire. Okay. Just kind to let like, you know that yeah. my rules, I have coached four people. I've introduced them and coached them into marriage. For a I couple love of that. Years. That means you're going to heaven. Yes. No matter what I do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, is it weird if someone you're speaking to from a dating app who you've never met texts you to start a conversation before 8 a.m.? Um, yes or no? No. I agree. I think it's nice. Is it weird to follow your friend's significant other who you've never met on Instagram? Yes. You broke up with your ex of four years, six months ago, but you still think and dream of them often. Is that unfair to your new partner? Yes or no? Um, loosely, yes. Mm-hmm. You've been dating your partner for two and a half years, generally a perfect match, and you're happy, but you go through phases where you're not super into them or the relationship. Is that normal? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Is it a red flag if your significant other's family brings up their ex a lot in front of you? Yes. Is it weird to use a pet name like babe or baby for the first time over text? Yes. Okay. Um, you've been seeing someone for two months and you had an interview last week they knew about and they didn't text good luck. Should you bring it up because you're feeling annoyed or let it go? Let it go, but mental note. Right. Is it normal to have sex less often with your partner after moving in together? Yes. Your date doesn't tip 20% on a date. Is that a red flag or a deal breaker? Um, well, it depends on the service. So I would say red flag. Mm-hmm. Unless like is, you know, just a bad waiter. <laughs> yeah, I guess I didn't think of that because I said deal breaker. Is it normal for a significant other to not want to have sex while you're on your period? Yes. But that's so fucked up. <laughs> that a guy wouldn't want to? Yeah. Well, no, I don't think that's all. I don't think that's fucked up. I mean, it's. I feel like all the guys I've dated were fine with it. I mean, I as a woman wasn't fine with it. Yeah. I guess it, if you're fine with it and they're not fine with it, that can be hard. You and your partner have different views on how you should act during the pandemic. Is that a red flag or a deal breaker? Red flag. Your best friend is engaged to someone who they're not 100% is the one and they're having doubts. They're still going to go ahead with the wedding. Should you say something or let it be? Say something. Mm, but how, well, how would you say it? I would very gently just pose questions to them. I would say, you've expressed concern over this. If this never changes, can you still be happy? Yeah, that's a good one. Okay. This has been amazing. I feel like we had some really great debates. Is there a quote or piece of advice that you could leave our listeners with that will help them or has helped you? It won't be a popular quote with everybody, but I would say for women, 
Think like a man, act like a lady. Love it. Thank you so much, Elise. Where can everyone find you and follow you and listen to more of your dating rules? At Elise Slane on Instagram. Awesome. Cool. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks. My pleasure. 